This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. Cloudy today, slight chance of showers, high near 58. Mostly cloudy tonight, with the lower on 46. Partly sunny on Wednesday, on your 59. Two Endicott men have been charged with tax fraud after a search warrant uncovered untaxed cigarettes and unauthorized cannabis products in the town of Union. On October 13th, the Broome County Special Investigations Unit Task Force, following an investigation into the sale of untaxed tobacco cigarettes, executed a search warrant at Smoker's Choice on East Main Street in the town of Union. During the search, approximately 73 cartons of untaxed tobacco cigarettes, several pounds of various packaged items containing cannabis candies and gummies, and $1,560 in U.S. currency were recovered. As a result of the search warrant, two persons were issued appearance tickets. The case has been referred to the Office of Cannabis Management regarding the unauthorized sale of cannabis products in the state of New York. A report of shots fired on Binghamton's west side prompted a lockdown of nearby schools as police were sent to the area of Main and Cedar Streets on the west side around 2.50 on Monday. Callers reporting hearing the sound of gunfire near the Bundy Museum of History and Art. Young people were observed running from the area after the shots rang out. Police officers focused their attention on a three-story apartment building at 132 Main Street. Patrol units shut down Main Street between Crandall and Cedar as they secured the scene. Some shell casings were said to have been found on the porch of the six-unit apartment house. Patrol officers and detectives interviewed people who were in and around the building at the time of the shooting. Nearby residents reported hearing three shots in rapid succession. There were reports that a person who may have been wounded in the incident was seen running away from the scene. Binghamton police directed Westside schools to move to their lockout protocol after the shooting as a precaution. The procedure came as many students already had been dismissed for the day. The governor of New York says she will travel to Israel uh, today for the solidarity mission with the nation. Governor Kathy Hochul said in a written statement issued yesterday that she plans to meet with diplomatic leaders and communities devastated after the unprecedented, unprecedented surprise attack by Hamas militants on Israeli towns on October 7th. Her announcement comes as President Joe Biden plans to travel to Israel and on to Jordan on Wednesday to meet with both Israeli and Arab leadership. leadership. Oko says it's more important than ever for New York to show up in support of Israel. New York City Mayor Eric Adams has announced he is limiting shelter stays for migrant families with children to 60 days in the city's housing system. Monday's move to tighten the rules comes as the Democratic mayor seeks to ease the pressure a city system overwhelmed by the arrival of more than 120,000 international asylum seekers in this past year. Authorities said they will begin sending 60-day notices to migrant families with children in shelters, though they could reapply for housing if they're unable to find a new place to live. The mayor's office says more than 60,000 migrants currently live in the city shelters, many of them without the legal ability to work. 
Former President Donald Trump is returning to the Manhattan civil fraud trial that threatens to upend his real estate empire. But he won't be seeing his former lawyer-turned-foe Michael Cohen on the witness stand. At least not yet. Cohen citing a health problem has postponed his testimony as a key witness in New York Attorney General James' case at least until next week. Cohen said on X, formerly known as Twitter, that he isn't dodging Trump. On Monday, he said he expects his estranged ex-boss to be in the courtroom when he does testify. Instead of Cohen, Trump's courtroom visit today is likely to overlap with the resumption of testimony from his company's assistant controller, Donna Kidder. And a wall outside a popular downtown Binghamton restaurant has received the colorful new look thanks to the works of a couple of artists. Margot Datz and Tom Haynes recently completed work on a mural on a wall on the side of the building that is home to Chris's Diner on State Street. Datz said she and Haynes had submitted a mural idea to the I-District's public arts program to create something that celebrated the presence of the Greek community within Binghamton. That said, she and Haynes presented the mural concept to the owners of Chris's Diner, and they liked the idea. The partners spent more than two weeks transforming the plain white wall into something special. The owners of the diner have expressed their appreciation for the mural. In a social media post, they wrote that they were so grateful for these talented artists. A celebration of the completed mural is planned as part of next First Friday events. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. Bob Joseph, this is Binghamton Now. Tuesday, October 17th, 2023. 607-772-1290 is the number. Feel free to contribute to the community conversation. Binghamton Now is heard every weekday morning from 9 to noon. At 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. Also available on WNBF app. Available to you at no charge because we, because we love you. Well, a lot going on in the world today. Let's start local, as they say, keeping it local. So it was a typical Monday in Parlor City, and then three shots rang out on Main Street. So the police had to swoop in, patrol officers, detectives, and assistant chief. Everybody swoops in to see what's going on. Uh, apparently, uh, no serious injuries have been reported. Lead to the shooting that occurred at approximately 2.50 Monday afternoon. If you have tips, you can contact the Binghamton Police Detective Division as the investigation continues. We'll be working on that story today. Bring you 
more relevant information as appropriate. It's 912. Let's take a call. Hi, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Uh, John from Binghamton, as warm as the toast that came out of your toaster this morning that you fed the dogs with. All right. You know, <laughs> I knew you had installed a spy cam. I just didn't know you were going to start revealing the stuff that goes on before I make it here. Actually, the first part is exactly right, but... I don't feed my dogs people food because I was once told by a veterinary professional that it's, uh, it's probably not the best choice. But as far as the toast, yes. It was from Badalini's Bakery. I'm on the customer that, side. Isn't that the best toast? Oh, it's un- you know, and it's simple. The simplest. You put, you put, in, put in a couple of slices, toast them to perfection, and then just butter. And watch the butter melt. It's almost, almost too good to uh, to eat. But man, it's that's toasted perfection. Well, uh, I spoke at the Endicott board meeting yesterday, and they were very gracious and nice and attentive. Were the police called? No, no, no. It's it's uh, you know, Bob. My mission, my mission. If it's not publicly funded. If it's not a public policy issue, I mean, I'm not interested in it, except to wish people uh, well in their endeavors. Uh, so, you know, I'm not prying under every rock I can find. It's just the taxpayer rocks that I'm looking under. Yeah, I think that's appropriate. Um, I, in fact, that dare I say, and I hope I don't go too far and alienate any of our loyal listeners, I think that ought to be a mission for all of us. I mean, yes. whether whether you're in the world of daily journalism or just uh, an engaged citizen, I think, in theory, you would think people in government and people involved in spending public money would actually want to encourage engagement and encourage people to be more involved and to understand what goes on. Well, that was the purpose when uh, the IRS made the uh, 990 tax forms accessible. And one of my favorite things to do in the little time that I have to watch television is uh, whenever I hear a spot asking for money, I take the organization, put it in the iPad on with 990, and I, I see uh, the tax returns. And it's a very interesting thing because some are not as bad as others. <laughs> it can be an eye-opening thing. Well, no matter which 990 you review... It is instructive. Um, you don't have to do too much reading between the lines to understand uh, sort of, how can I put it, the true mission of any particular organization and just by looking at, at the IRS form. And how much they spend uh, for advertising, uh, soliciting, fundraising. That is a very inter- as long or as well as the executive salaries. But anyway, Bob, you know, I'm I'm feeling sorry for these local officials that get sucked into these economic development deals because on the one hand, uh, it gives them something to talk about, you know, for their reelection, so they get a benefit of that. But you know, they're also when things go bad, they're also used as patsies because 
uh, you know, if there's if if there's a backfire, and it's all because the higher ups, and I'm talking about the state officials, the idea they don't take uh, responsibility. For example, let's just think about this. Let's take and again bringing it back to Washington Avenue. Wasn't there some young promoter marketing guy that took over Burt's for a time? And then he claimed, uh, you know, there was going to be this tremendous expansion, and uh, and it yeah, was, sound, it sounds familiar. I don't recall all yeah, the particulars, yeah. but yeah, that's that's definitely and, ringing a bell. And then that guy went on. He was a very charismatic guy, sales type guy. And then he went on, and he was going to buy a building in the industrial park. And uh, Cuomo was here. Oh, that. Wasn't that the, the front page headline, something to the effect of 600 jobs? Was that? Yeah. yeah. 600 jobs. I remember I remember it well. Wasn't and it going to be called Link Park or Yeah, he, he had sort of a, 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 a standard uh, c- customer service marketing thing, and, but he claimed it was high tech, and he got up on the podium and said he was a disruptor. He tried to... Uh, uh, put a high-tech gloss onto it, you know, that he was some sort of uh, genius. And that didn't go over. And then we have, see, and this is why I'm suspicious of these new deals. Uh, We had this cannabis company, now Canadian, publicly traded company. Uh, You had the CEO on, nice guy seemed to be, uh, didn't attempt to withhold, and then he got into a spot of bother and anyway, uh, the, the state forces were working towards recreational marijuana, and he was, they had a big uh, press conference, whatever. But, you know, that was a Donald Lepardo deal. Now, what I'm suggesting is when these things backfire, they backfire badly. In the, in the case of the uh, cannabis, or the whatever it was, they did give back all the all the money to the idea or are going to give it back. But yeah, which know, is a good a good thing. I mean, right. you know, I, I think that's, I would regard that as a significant gesture. But I think that Donna Lopardo and these people before her and after her and during her uh, should apologize when these things go bad because they come on very, very strong. Remember Mountain Fresh Dairy? Oh, uh, there you go again. You know, you bring up Mountain Fresh Dairy. Next thing you know, I'll be bringing up Savin. The next thing you know, blah, blah. I mean, this litany of uh, Broome County's top 40 economic development failures. I I may actually do that one day. I may actually compile the top 40 list of Broome County's economic development failures because the the tough thing would be what what to leave out. Continue. Do you remember a company called VMR? Yes. Yes. Didn't they have uh, some kind of a presence right here in downtown Binghamton over at the former bubble bath, Mr. Bubble Plant? Yeah. uh, Apparently, it's a husband and wife team. Yep. Uh, But here's some of the money that they borrowed. Binghamton Local Development, 330000 Statewide zone capital two twenty six thousand U.S. small business 
1.9 million. New York State Business Development Corporation, 847,000. Empire State Development, 2.1 million. Now, this is in addition to substantial uh, bank loans. And uh, there was a bankruptcy proceeding. The IRS, uh, uh, it's really very colorful. The IRS went after them. And uh, the testimony in the case is unbelievable. But the point is, is that these people, this husband and wife team, uh, didn't go away in shame. Uh, uh, well, where is VMR today? Where? Uh, well, what's the status? Because I'm looking at a story from the Press and Sun Bulletin back when they had a business section in 2011. And it says VMR to receive state business award. And it mentions how 10 years earlier they started their VMR electronics company out of a basement in a building in Washington Avenue. And then it, uh, according to this story, had soared to the point where they had 275 employees and $45 million in annual sales. So that was the story in the paper 12 years ago. Uh, how many employees do they have now? Well, here's the companies that were a straight VMR. Uh, see, this is an old thing when you when you have iterations of the same company name. You know, this is an old con. Uh, VMR Electronics, old VMR Electronics, VMR Realty Management, Instinctive Intuitive Design, Denot, uh, these are all LLCs, Diamond Illuminations, Diamond Taurus Realtor, Earthly Products. Uh, these people are currently operating a cable company that's based at their the same address on uh, Eldridge that, Street. Uh, no, no, this is in Newark Valley now. They, they really they, okay yeah. because yeah, the first thing I I received when I punched up VMR Electronics Binghamton, and as our conversation suggests, there's a big red banner under the search result permanently closed. Continue. So anyway. Uh, one of these addresses, two of them, they they were uh, transferred uh, to the same uh, people uh, through a referee in bankruptcy court through their web of LLCs. I mean, these two people have got ten or twelve LLCs, uh, so and and they're still residing at one of these addresses in Endicott. But anyway, to make a long story short, you know we've got. Uh, as uh, the song says, very smooth operators here who have fleeced the taxpayers numerous times. And all I'm saying as the Battery Hub tour, I guess, that will take place today, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, Stanley Whittingham's office is being, by the way, he's got a, a plush office building out a, a big office like he was uh, the uh, Tom Watson of, of his day here. Uh, so as we go into this one, look out, look out. All right. But despite your words of caution, I remain enthusiastic about the prospects of, well, think, of the I battery think. plant. I heard uh, a news report. They, um, I have to paraphrase. I don't have the report in front of me. But uh, according to a news report on uh, a prominent TV station, they were having already having negotiations with car manufacturers to uh, to buy their batteries. So, well, let me. If I had a thousand dollars, I'll tell you where I'd invest it. It had to be in Endicott. 
I'd invest it with those brothers that just opened up that store rather than uh, in Magnus Energy. <laughs> well, I, I will say this about the store, and I commend them because in, you know, talk about people who are willing to, uh, by the way, John, thank you for your call. People who are willing to um, take a risk. That family, it's a family that I believe is, is based in the Bronx, uh, according to one of the brothers at the new store on Washington Avenue. They have um, existing businesses in the Bronx. He said two grocery stores, two discount stores, similar to the one that just opened on Washington Avenue, and a restaurant. Now, the store that they have just opened on Washington Avenue next to M&T Bank is very interesting. I didn't have time to go through the entire store, but this is not just, and some people might think, hmm, people from out of town, people from downstate who have just opened a store, I wonder if it's just like any other convenience store that we see around the triple cities. And it's not. It's not a convenience store. It's a discount store. Somebody asked the question, well, is the stuff in the store new or used? It's all new. Here's to be all new fresh merchandise they had some toys up front they had a wide array of things i don't know how much it would cost the, the, to stock the original inventory it certainly wasn't cheap the place looked good it was not something slapped together and it it looked like it looked like they put a lot of time and effort into it and to the best of my knowledge they didn't take one penny in public funding. Now, maybe, I don't know for sure. I didn't, to be honest, I didn't ask. So maybe they did receive some sort of support. The signage out front looks good. Maybe they took advantage of some program that provides assistance for signs or whatever. But I, I hadn't heard of any public money being involved in the project. At any rate, I was... Impressed. I was also surprised that nobody in Endicott had even mentioned this business. So I don't, not sure why, not sure why it didn't get advance attention. I would have thought local officials would be enthusiastic that, uh, because I think they are operating out of 5,000 square feet of space on Washington Avenue. So now, Will they be open a year from now or five years from now? It's hard to say. They're taking a risk. They, I guess they're willing to gamble that people in Endicott will be responsive to the work that they're doing and part of what could be um, revitalization of Washington Avenue. It's 927. You're listening to Bob Joseph on your Tuesday morning. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Shop Toyota, Chevy, BMW, and pre owned at GaltAuto.com. This is. Tuesday morning with Bob Joseph at WNBF, joined by Karen Sweet O'Neill with a preview of tomorrow's weekly information segment. Good morning, Karen. How's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good indeed. How about yourself? Oh, 
Good. I was, uh, I apologize. I wasn't. Oh, yes, I was in Vestal. I, for a second there, I was going to <laughs> you were say, say. I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, no, I'm always paying attention. But <laughs> I was in Vestal, but in, I didn't go past your office. I, I was in Vestal, Endicott, and well, Westover, Johnson City, Binghamton. I made four stops on my way in, checking out different potential stories. So you know, wow. a lot of people think, oh, you get up at, at like 8.25, have three cups of coffee, and then come directly to the station, and that's all there is to it. But no, no. I'm out there asking questions, taking pictures, video, and people love it. They do. <laughs> yeah, if they're... <laughs> if they're not up to something, <laughs> the people who don't love it are the ones who. Yeah. Want to see you? <laughs> well, it's that's helpful though. It's it serves as guidance. If here's the way I look at it: if people are not enthusiastic when a reporter comes into their neighborhood, that means I have to pay additional attention because maybe there's something I'm missing. Mm, see, point. so I I do appreciate those who I would say about ninety eight percent of the people I encounter when I'm reporting around the triple cities roll out the red carpet and sometimes they're actually very pleased to see me, but we'll say one or two percent of the people who shall we say are in some ways disappointed I'm there. I make mm -hmm. note of that and then. I redouble my efforts because sometimes I'm just there to do a little fun story about autumn in New York. And then it turns out, wait, wait, their, their behavior suggests that perhaps we need to do some more investigation into what's going on here. So I, I do thank them, even those who are unkind and threatening, because that, that helps give me a clue that maybe I'm pointed in the right direction. I see. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, you, hey, hey, unwittingly, unwittingly, they're actually helping the journalistic process. So I commend them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, I guess I guess we should probably mention this segment is sponsored by KSO Insurance Solutions. What will you be discussing tomorrow morning? Oh, dear. We are going to discuss several things. We are going to talk about uh, the Social Security COLA increase, how much that is, and how much you can anticipate actually being in your Social Security check come January 2024. And we're also going to talk about the numbers with Medicare Part B, because of course that's the income-based plan medical with uh, Medicare, and that is going to increase. Normally, the way you pay for that is out of your Social Security check, or if you're not receiving Social Security, you're billed quarterly for it. So, of course, that's going up next year, which isn't a good thing, but we'll talk about those numbers. Uh, the deductible for Part B for people on Medicare also going up next year. Talk about that number. And the deductible for Medicare Part A, which covers the inpatient hospital care, Bob, uh, nursing home stays, and other services, of course, that will increase as well. So what are the increases going to look like? How do you fit them into your budget? And, you know, anything else that goes along with that. And, of course, we're taking appointments for annual 
enrollment period for people that are on Medicare and need to make choices or just review their coverage that they have this year and see if they want to stay with what they have or move into a different plan. We are at 1708 Vestal Parkway East. We are up around back of Plato's Closet. You can reach us several ways for an appointment. You can simply give us a call at 607-772-4898. You can Google us at KSO Insurance. All our contact information comes up or simply go to a phone book. We have a big display ad under insurance in the yellow pages. Karen, have a great day, and we will chat again tomorrow right around this time. Excellent. You too, Bob. Thank you. Thanks. It's 9.34. Bob Joseph with you. Just asking a few questions. If you see me in your neighborhood, feel free to offer me donuts and coffee. Or (laughs) a speedy. Whatever you have at hand. I'm always glad to visit the neighborhoods of the triple cities. Find out what people are up to. 607-772-1290. What are you up to? What are your thoughts? What are your hopes? What are your aspirations? This is Binghamton Now. News Radio, WNBF, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. Always available on the WNBF app. This is Bob Joseph. Binghamton now. 607-772-1290. All are welcome to our radio party. Here's the forecast from the National Weather Service. Cloudy today, isolated showers, high 58. Mostly cloudy tonight with some patchy fog. And a low of 46 tomorrow, partly sunny. High 59, mostly sunny Thursday, high 65. Right now it's 50 in downtown Binghamton. That's 10 Celsius, 938. And back to the phones. Good morning, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hey, good morning there, Bob. It's uh, Dave from Vestal. How's it going? It's going very well. In fact, it's going exceptionally well. Well, that's good. Hey, but you know, I wanted to call and let you know I, I encountered a, a private company trimming back trees, uh, hired by NYSEG, Okay, and they were getting ready to mutilate my tree. Uh, when I talked to them, NYSEG has ordered them to cut back all branches ten feet from the power lines. Bob, don't you think that's excessive? That's that's quite a way. No, they want to keep your power on. It's important that trees be cleared. Trees, branches, and vegetation must be cleared near the electric lines in order to keep the power on. I understand that, Bob, and I agree with that, but 10 feet. Well, it's personally, it probably should be more like 50 feet because when the power goes off, that's when people begin getting frustrated. And I'll tell you what, if my power goes off because some NYSEG equipment or power lines came into contact with with trees that hadn't been trimmed, you can bet I'll be disappointed. 50 feet? 100 feet. 
<laughs> I don't want I don't want power problems linked to trees or branches. That's my statement. Well, I strongly I strongly support that. Yeah, you do. Okay. Well, that no, I so, was so, I was joking about a hundred feet or fifty feet, but I the statement. This is my public position, and you can't you can't sway me unless you keep talking. The um, my theory on power is power to the people. We deserve affordable electricity, twenty four seven. We don't want electricity interrupted for any reason. Say what if a tree contacts a power line, if a branch falls across a line, if equipment's damaged by vegetation, I personally need my power and I need my power all the time. I cannot yeah. I can ill afford a power interruption, Dave, and that's why I feel so strongly that NYSEG should continue to have a contractor gently, carefully prune the trees and branches near their power facilities. So when you drive down the street and half the tree is gone because they take 10 feet back, I mean, and it looks like heck, Bob. It looks terrible. The I know. Like, I've taken like, pictures. Hey, you're, you're preaching to the choir. I've probably done more news coverage of awkward-looking tree trimming in the Binghamton region than anyone else. Hey. I've got pictures I could show you. By the way, the guys who are out trimming trees, the one thing they don't like is reporters taking pictures of their creative trimming. But <laughs> but again, they're, they're doing what they've been hired to do by NYSEG. Listen to this. It says, and I quote, this is from the NYSEG website, we prune and sometimes remove trees and vegetation that could come into contact with their power lines. If you believe trees around utility lines need to be removed or pruned, we encourage you to contact the appropriate utility company, NYSEG, the cable company, or the phone company. Oh, and here's an important thing. Don't try to do it yourself. So, again, they don't like pruning trees because, trust me, they must get at least dozens of calls a year from people who don't like having their beautiful trees pruned. I mean, think about all the calls they received from people along Riverside Drive and elsewhere on Binghamton's west side over the last year or so. Because people people love their trees. I love their trees. I love driving down Riverside Drive and seeing our um, beautiful trees. You know, Binghamton is a tree city USA. And so anytime, anytime that I see um, some of our sometimes old majestic trees that have been trimmed in a way that I don't like you know at first my first inclination is oh who did that and why would they do such a thing and then I realize it's to keep the power on it's to keep it's to serve the best interest of the people of America but they can do it more often Bob whether they want to pay or not I mean they they, they rip us off enough. They got plenty of money. Matter oh, fact, my gosh. Money, right? you're, so. you're one of those right. talking about yeah. uh -huh. mm -hmm. the utility ripping us off. Oh, yep. that's such an yep. old topic. Well, okay. Well, anyway. I, by maybe. the way, I didn't say I disagreed. I said it's an old topic. <laughs> no, I'm, hey. Hey, man, I'm with you, man. You know, electricity, natural gas, uh, cable, phones, every utility, water. 
don't you think the prices are just too darn high? Uh, way too high, Bob. But you know what? They could do it more often. They can just trim back, you know, a couple feet. But then so it's going to add. So but, but Dave, if they do it more often, your electric bill will be even higher. <laughs> those guys, I've talked to those guys who do the, the, the contractors. And when I have a conversation with them, I mean, they don't like if I just show up and take pictures because they think they probably don't even know at first that I'm a reporter. But after I speak with them, then I find out they're they're guys just like us. They're just doing their job. And and even they sometimes they, they wouldn't say this publicly because they can't. But say off the record, they admit sometimes they don't they don't particularly like doing what they need to do. They're doing their best to try to keep the power on and trying to keep or minimize the chance that trees or branches will come in contact with the electrical equipment. So, you know, they, hey, they've got eyes. They have feelings. I, I bet at their homes they have trees and they wouldn't be happy. But bottom line is, I guess this is part of long-term planning. If you're going to plant trees, don't plant them anywhere near power lines or at some point, at some point, the tree's going to have to be trimmed, and you or a future property owner may not be happy. Yeah. Well. You know, I, I mean, hey, I hear you, and I, I get your point, and in a perfect world, yes, there would be um, a contractor that could do tree trimming at every neighborhood in nice egg service area, maybe every other year, and so the the work they did wouldn't look as noticeable and it might be better but then and then again you know those trees should never have, i know this sounds like i'm not a tree hugger and you know i'm a tree hugger um those trees should never have been allowed to get as big as they are so they came or come into close contact with the power lines and i'm not blaming anyone i'm just saying you know that's it's a, a common a common issue, and I, hey, as I say, I've I've covered the story before. We've had people call in before, uh, enraged, dare I say, enraged. The, the, the thing that bothers me, Bob, is I've done my best over the years because I, I do a lot of it myself. Right. I keep it trimmed back from my roof and from the power lines myself. I keep it a couple feet back. Now they're going to come in and go ten feet back and make the tree look mm, like hell. I know that bugs me. Well, yeah, well you know? I'm not. I don't disagree. I I would feel the same way if they came over to my place and and did the same type of uh, action. I I probably would feel the same way. And then on the other hand, I would be well. I don't blame them because they're doing what they can to keep keep the power on, and that's that's NYSEG's mission. Let's face it. Every time that there's a widespread power outage, NYSEG gets a lot of flack, obviously from just regular customers and quite often from politicians, especially governors who want to make political hay out of problems that in many cases were probably difficult to prevent. So, you know, yeah, I, you know, the thing yeah. about NYSEG and I have to I have to sympathize with utility officials. They basically they're in a no win position. They provide an essential service, whether it's electricity or natural gas, and 
for much of, at least for the delivery portion of what they do, there's no competition. And so every time they go for a rate hearing in Albany, of course they're going to request a rate hike much higher than is realistic. And then the Public Service Commission approves a rate hike that's still, in, in the view of customers, too high. But yeah, it's the, it's the age-old dance. It never changes. Appreciate your call. It's 948. Bob Joseph on your side. On your side at WNBF. WNBF. Everybody loves cars. Well, maybe not, but what can you do? <laughs> We're stuck with our cars. Here's a story or a note from Gary on the west side. I heard you and Beverly talking about the uh, pedestrian bridge that will be removed in the town of Dickinson over the Interstate 81. So I was talking about this over lunch with others. I heard a story about a VW bug driving over the bridge on a dare. The person telling the story thought it was around 1971. Have you or any of your listeners heard of this story? Gary on the west side. Well, I certainly have heard of this story. I don't know if it was specifically a VW bug, but I've heard from multiple people over the years, either they using quote air quotes they or someone they know uh drove a vehicle over the pedestrian bridge um certainly totally totally wrong that was wrong but uh apparently uh it was done my guess is it was probably done more than once but i have no photographic evidence if anybody has pictures of a vw bug driving over the pedestrian bridge, say 50 or so years ago, send it to me, Bob at WNBF.com with permission to use the picture and then we can publish it on our website. That is, if you have the ability to give permission to use the picture, if you just found it somewhere, I can't, can't use someone else's picture, but if, say, you were the kid who drove a VW bug illegally across the pedestrian bridge in the town of Dickinson half a century ago and you took pictures on your Polaroid camera and you send a nice clear scan of the image with a statement that you took the picture and we can use it on WNBF.com or if you know more about that I, I believe 
that it had to have happened and probably happened more than once. I also am pleased to know that the bridge never collapsed because someone was illegally driving across a pedestrian bridge. 954, Bob Joseph, WNBF. Nine fifty-eight. Bob in Shenango Forks. Good morning. You're on the air. Yes, we did go across that bridge in a Volkswagen. A, a bug, like a Volkswagen bug. Oh uh, yeah, I tell you, it was a red Volkswagen convertible, and it was souped up. It had what it called an impy kit, and we used to actually race that car out of the drag strips. And we well, how many how many people were in the car when you went across the pedestrian? Just you and the driver. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I know yeah. you're not you're not going to throw the driver under the bus. I know you're not going to identify uh, her. Uh, why was she? Uh, why did she want to go? No, it was a guy. It okay. Guy. Why did he want to go across the pedestrian bridge? Because he was kind of crazy. Okay, that's <laughs> what I thought. Good answer. Yeah. That's confirming yeah. my suspicion. Because in those days, there was no blockage, like no, I think they had bars in the middle, eventually, and I don't, I don't know when they put the bars in, but eventually they put bars so you couldn't go across. But a lot of motorcycles and all that went across. I lived on the north side of Binghamton then, so, you know, we just always did that, but this car... So which way did you go, from uh, the uh, old Front Street side across to, uh, toward Bevere, or the other way? Yeah, from Front Street, because... When you came across Bevere Street Bridge, you used to be able to go straight. There was no... Uh, yeah. Fences, fences. Was it at night? Yeah. Uh, no, during the day. <laughs> <laughs> Weren't you worried about the cops? No, because you could go over there quick enough and get back on the highway, sunrise stairs before they even get to you. you know what I'm <laughs> well, I appreciate yeah. your uh, checking in with that. We're, we're out of time. We've got the news coming right up, but there's at least one person who claims to have done what we all probably wanted to do at one point. More coming up. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Cloudy today, slight chance of showers, high near 58. Mostly cloudy tonight with the lower on 46. Partly sunny on Wednesday. On your 59. Two Endicott men have been charged with tax fraud after a search warrant uncovered untaxed cigarettes and unauthorized cannabis products in the town of Union. On October 13th, the Broome County Special Investigations Unit Task Force, following an investigation into the sale of untaxed tobacco cigarettes, executed a search warrant at Smoker's Choice on East Main Street in the town of Union. During the search, approximately 73 cartons of untaxed tobacco cigarettes, several pounds of various packaged items containing cannabis candies and gummies, and $1,560 in U.S. currency were recovered. As a result of the search warrant, two persons were issued appearance tickets. The case has been referred to the Office of Cannabis Management regarding the unauthorized sale of cannabis products in the state of New York. 
A report of shots fired on Binghamton's west side prompted a lockdown of nearby schools as police were sent to the area of Main and Cedar Streets on the west side around 2.50 on Monday. Caller is reporting hearing the sound of gunfire near the Bundy Museum of History and Art. Young people were observed running from the area after the shots rang out. Police officers focused their attention on a three-story apartment building at 132 Main Street. Patrol units shut down Main Street between Crandall and Cedar as they secured the scene. Some shell casings were said to have been found on the porch of the six-unit apartment house. Patrol officers and detectives interviewed people who were in and around the building at the time of the shooting. Nearby residents reported hearing three shots in rapid succession. There were reports that a person who may have been wounded in the incident was seen running away from the scene. Binghamton police directed Westside schools to move to their lockout protocol after the shooting as a precaution. The procedure came as many students already had been dismissed for the day. The governor of New York says she will travel to Israel uh, today for the solidarity mission with the nation. Governor Kathy Hochul said in a written statement issued yesterday that she plans to meet with diplomatic leaders and communities devastated after the unprecedented, unprecedented surprise attack by Hamas militants on Israeli towns on October 7th. Her announcement comes as President Joe Biden plans to travel to Israel and on to Jordan on Wednesday to meet with both Israeli and Arab leadership. leadership. Hochul says it's more important than ever for New York to show up in support of Israel. New York City Mayor Eric Adams has announced he is limiting shelter stays for migrant families with children to 60 days in the city's housing system. Monday's move to tighten the rules comes as the Democratic mayor seeks to ease the pressure of city system overwhelmed by the arrival of more than 120,000 international asylum seekers in this past year. Authorities said they will begin sending 60-day notices to migrant families with children in shelters, though they could reapply for housing if they're unable to find a new place to live. The mayor's office says more than 60,000 migrants currently live in the city shelters, many of them without the legal ability to work. Former President Donald Trump is returning to the Manhattan civil fraud trial that threatens to upend his real estate empire, but he won't be seeing his former lawyer-turned-foe Michael Cohen on the witness stand, at least not yet. Cohen, citing a health problem, has postponed his testimony as a key witness in New York Attorney General James' case, at least until next week. Cohen said on X, formerly known as Twitter, that he isn't dodging Trump. On Monday, he said he expects his estranged ex-boss to be in the courtroom when he does testify. Instead of Cohen, Trump's courtroom visit today is likely to overlap with the resumption of testimony from his company's assistant controller, Donna Kidder. And a wall outside a popular downtown Binghamton restaurant has received a colorful new look thanks to the works of a couple of artists. Margot Datz and Tom Haynes recently completed work on a mural on a wall on the side of the building that is home to Chris's Diner on State Street. Dad said she and Haynes had submitted a mural idea to the I-District's public arts program to create something that celebrated the presence of the Greek community within Binghamton. Dad said she and Haynes presented the mural concept to the owners of Chris's Diner, and they liked the idea. The partners spent more than two weeks transforming the plain white wall into something special. The owners of the diner have expressed their appreciation for the mural. 
In a social media post, they wrote that they were so grateful for these talented artists. A celebration of the completed mural is planned as part of next First Friday events. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. Joseph live from Studio 1290 on West 54th Street. It's a flashback to my good old days in New York City. I'd get up at 10 p.m. and get home at about 6.30 a.m. And you had to do what you had to do, right? Joined now by Nima Krajian. Find out what's coming up in Johnson City. Good morning. Hey, good morning. It's a beautiful day. Oh, it's beautiful. I was just in your uh, neighborhood uh, at about 845 this morning. Looks nice. Yeah, yeah. There, things are happening, you know. Um, they're finishing up the research and development building at BU. The, the uh, village is kind of starting on the park there. Um, we've, um, hopefully we're going to be finishing up the, the windows and doors on the Goodwill theater before, um, it gets too cold. And, um, and then we've got some hot programming in the firehouse stage. Well, tell us about some of the events that are coming up. Okay. Well, the one that I'm really excited about, of course, I'm always excited about all of them. It's just whatever's coming up next. Um, we've got uh, Saturday, October 21st. It's dinner and a show. So um, we have a wonderful buffet dinner by Terracotta Catering, and you get um, your um, hors d'oeuvres, you get this wonderful buffet, great desserts, and you get beer, wine, and soda, all for $75 a person, plus this fabulous show which is Becky Menzie and Tom Michael. They come from Chicago. They've performed in the area a couple times. They are award-winning cabaret artists. They've won multiple awards in Chicago and also in Manhattan. And this particular show is going to be reimagining the Beatles. Um, Becky is, um, she teaches at Northwestern and she's also um, a composer and has written some really uh, funny and also very poignant songs. So her compositions are just amazing, and she has a fabulous voice. And then Tom Michael is this great tenor, and they've been working together over 15 years, um, probably maybe 20. They do um, cabaret uh, conferences and things like that. They're just consummate performers. So we're really excited. That's Saturday the 21st at 6, because you'll have dinner first and then the show. There is a cash bar if you want cocktails, hard liquor, but um, the beer, wine, and soda um, is free with your meal. So um, it's a real fun evening. And, um, you know, if you drove to Manhattan and saw them when they're going to be there um, later in the year, you know, it would cost you a heck of a lot more. So um, consider seeing them in the firehouse. We're real excited to be able to have them. And then later on, we have Trunk or Treat, which is, you know, in our parking lot and is free for the community. 
And then on November 1st, we pull our raffle ticket. So that is a, our $10,000 raffle. And for $100, you could win $10,000, $2,500, $1,000, or one of five $500 gift cards to Ellis Brothers, Hanks for Her, Saul Stearns, The Goldsmith, or Morabito Gas. And we also have a little party. You don't have to be present to win, but we just have some munchies and, and you know, beer and wine for you to consume while you're waiting to see who wins the raffle. So that's our immediately coming up, plus a paranormal event inside the Goodwill Theater. Ooh, ghost light. Paranormal yes. investigation. Ooh. Yes. Well, we have a paranormal group. They bring their machines. They've been inside the, the theater before. Uh, that investigation, it's about two hours. Um, you are, you know, dressed warmly and with comfortable shoes. And uh, we give you all flashlights and you follow them. And when you ask a question, you know, if they get the, the like Geiger counter type thing goes off and, you know, presence of a being or a spiritual entity, and then you ask a question and they, they answer. It's really amazing. So if that's, we limit that to, um, about 35, 40 people. Um, and uh, I think we've sold quite a few tickets. So, um, so if somebody's interested, I'd say call our box office at 607-772-2404 today. Very good. Well, you have mm -hmm. a lot going on as always, and uh, I appreciate the update. Of course, people can check out the website as well to get more information about these events and yes. some other things that will be coming up. Yeah, firehousestage.org. Uh, we just had, you know, we've had this um, maestro from India playing the sitar. We had fabulous jazz last night. We had a really fun balloon and magic show over the weekend. We've had a, a lot going on. And our next jazz is November 6th. So um, always something to do at the Firehouse Stage, and it's always affordable. Nima Cragen, thanks for the update. Keep us posted. I will. Take care. Have a great day. Thank you. It's 1015. This is Bob Joseph live at News Radio WNBF. The program is Binghamton Now. The phone number is 607-772-1290. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. We sell the ultimate driving machine at Galt BMW. WNBF. With the bad boy of Binghamton Radio. <laughs> the notorious POB. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you? Bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna do? Beverly in the town of Dickinson. You're on. Hi, Bob. Uh, that, that. That guy that went across the walk bridge up here, he done that on a dare. Uh, there was another, there was a person in Sunrise Terrace that was in on it too. And uh, they thought it was funny. 
But if they would have found out their, if they, if they're uh, the right sheriff or the right state trooper, if they, there was the right one, they wouldn't have done it. Well, back in those days, they might have been in big trouble. These days, if it happened, they probably would get a slap on the wrist and and maybe a certificate for 20 cents off uh, a Coke. Yeah, they probably would, Bob. Because times have changed. You know, it used to be we lived in a society of law and order. Now, I think they... They tend to look the other way when people drive small cars over pedestrian bridges. Yeah, well, I remember when I remember when that happened, and uh, this kid's own mother thought this own mother thought he was it was funny. I don't know somebody. There was a a woman and a and a fella. I remember that got that got po'd on him, you know, and I. Uh, and they towed him off, and but but his own mother thought it was funny. There was two. There was more than one, Bob. There was two. Well, I don't find it funny in the least, but I, don't I will find it funny but, at all. But, but having did. said that, having said that, I find it interesting. That's why I was glad that Bob from Shenango Forks called in to at least confirm, and he wasn't. I don't think he was suggesting it was funny, but it was just something. Let's face it, you know, times were different back then, and and well, that I bridge, that bridge probably, that. when when they drove the Volkswagen over, that bridge was probably only three or four years old, so it was in great shape. You pull that kind of thing today, and who knows? It could be catastrophic. That's true because at that time, you know. Uh, there used to be a lot of people going across, uh, going across there at one time. And the reason that they put that bridge in is because everyone was walking up Front Street, you know, to to the highway there. And uh, there was never, there was only just a, just a, just a curb there, you know, a dirt curb there. And, and you stood there and you waited for the bus. And so it it wasn't it wasn't like it is today because we have sidewalks all the way up to all the way from uh, my house all the way up Front Street, you know, uh, all the way up there to that uh, speedway on uh, on Shenango Bridge Road there, you know. But but we didn't have side we didn't have sidewalks. It was all dirt on the side there. And people used to just stand there and wait for the bus, you know. But well, but, they, yeah. but the kid, the second kid that was with him, he, uh, his own mother thought it was funny. Well, maybe, maybe she grew up in different times. Maybe, maybe where she came from, that sort of thing was encouraged. Did you ever think of that? I doubt it, Bob. Well, I'm I just really saying. I'm in her I, defense, this woman, this woman was was intelligent uh, enough to know better, Bob. Well, I didn't say now, she didn't know I better. Know I'm person, saying, I'm saying maybe it was encouraged. I, I know who the woman is. I don't even know if she's a, a 
uh, living by. Yeah, she may not be, but, you know, let's not. Yeah, you know, but. Let's but not no, jump. Uh, hey, hey, let's not. Disaster. Well, let's not jump to a contusion. Let's just say, let's just say it was a lesson learned and something well, that ought true, not true. ought not be repeated. Well, I hope I hope not. But hey, when are they going to when are they going to start taking it down? Because I heard I heard something a noise noise coming from downtown. But I thought maybe there was a, a ball game last night. No, it's probably those guys, the pile driving guys. You got these guys with their pile driving unit, and they think, for some reason, they think it's great fun. Because they have this pile driver, and I'll tell you, it's 48 times a minute. It's not 47, and it's not 49. It's 48 times a minute. And it's, I mean, would make your, your brain erupt if you get close to there. It all, I was over there to do um, a story and f- film a video. I filmed a video over there so people could see what was going on. And I was there just a few minutes, and it nearly, it nearly drove me nuts. So. You see what I'm saying? It's 1025 at News Radio, WNBF. And I promise not to play this audio again today. At 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. Streaming at WNBF.com. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Coming up today, WNBF bringing you the legendary Dan Bongino from noon to three. And then from three to six, the iconic Sean Hannity for you today on WNBF. A weather update now from WNBF, your weather update station. From the National Weather Service, mostly cloudy today. Isolated showers, 58. Cloudy tonight. Patchy fog, 46. Partly sunny tomorrow, 59. Mostly sunny Thursday, 65. Friday, cloudy. Rain, 63. I will not bring you the forecast for the weekend at this time because because it sounds too much like the weekend weather forecast for the last 25 weekends. Right now it's 51 in downtown Binghamton. That's 11 Celsius. 1029 WNBF WNBF.com If you want some local news, we have some local stories on our website WNBF.com including a report on the shooting investigation on the west side. The place was swarming. The uniform officers and investigators and even high-profile law enforcement people 
swarming. 132 Main Street, 250. Monday afternoon, bang, bang, bang. That's what one witness said. Bang, bang, bang. That's what it sounded like. Three shots in rapid succession. Um, at this point, did somebody actually get wounded? Well, we don't know. Uh, some people who were involved in the, we'll call it a discussion that may have gotten a little heated, some people um, sauntered away from the scene before the police were able to latch on to them and uh, obtain sufficient information. So, Now, do I expect people to be charged in this case? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I would, I would expect maybe something to emerge later today. That's all I'm going to say about it. Um, some of the schools nearby went over to a lockout protocol. At that point in the day, uh, many of the students at the schools nearby had already left. Who knows? Some were probably walking by the area around the time of the bang, bang, bang. But... Police could find no evidence that somebody was injured, although considering that somebody was seen hobbling away, unless the young person normally hobbles, but so I don't know. It's it's a little difficult to know what, what happened. Evidently, most of those who may have been involved were as law enforcement would say, they were uncooperative, as in they really didn't want to answer a few questions. So, so we'll see what happens. Sometimes, unfortunately, if you get something like this, then something like it happens again the next day or the next day. So hopefully this was... A random event, not the start of something. Something that really can't be handled. So, anyway, uh, we do have some photos and uh, a little video. We even had a, a little video at the scene a few minutes after the police got there. Now, it's weird. You have traffic going by on Main Street got uniform police there. You've got some investigators already on the scene. You're grilling some folks to a fare thee well. And so, I don't know. It's strange to see that on Monday afternoon in Parlor City. Also on our website, WNBF.com, building on the conversation that we had on Monday's program with Margot Datz and Tom Haynes, we have uh, an article about that mural that was painted on the side of Chris's diner. So if you wanted to see what we were discussing, you can see the diner. And uh, both Margot and Tom over there the interest of full disclosure, the photos were taken a few weeks ago when they were just completing the mural 
on the side of the diner. But it does look really nice, so if you haven't seen it yet, of course you could drive down here to my neighborhood and uh, see for yourself, or if you're otherwise occupied today, you can see the uh, photos at WNBF.com. It's 10.33. Uh, don't worry, I'm already trying to develop at least two very interesting stories for later today on the website, so we'll keep you posted. Interesting new business. <laughs> I have a story about an interesting new business that just what they're going to do is just different. I don't know if it's being done anywhere else right now. Well, it probably is being done somewhere else, but I don't think it's being done anywhere in New York State. So I'll have a story on a, a different twist for a business and a couple other things probably on our website today, WNBF.com. I encourage you to check it out if you're interested in some original reporting. 607-772-1290 is the number. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to Binghamton Now. 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. Stay connected using the WNBF app. Driving your fast car. And I know some people who think that they're better than the rest of us and they're entitled to drive their fast car, endangering themselves and other innocent people. But truth is, you drive a fast car, you must be penalized. You must be penalized. And it's interesting to see how the laws are different in America. You would think in New York State they would take speeding seriously. And yet, here's an example where against all odds, New York State clearly doesn't take speeding as seriously as Georgia. The state of Georgia. So there's a guy, according to an AP story, a guy in Georgia received a $1.4 million speeding ticket. Well, they say it's not the actual fine. It was a placeholder. $1.4 million. The guy, his name is Connor. Sounds like a dog's name. Here, Connor. Oh, no, I'm just thinking of my beloved Connor. So the guy is uh, Connor. He told the TV station in Savannah he received the citation after getting pulled over for going 90 in a 55 zone. He called the court thinking that $1.4 million was a typo. He was told he either had to pay it or appear in court. A Savannah officials say anyone caught driving more than 35 miles an hour above the speed limit has to appear in court. And then the judge will determine the actual fine. 
so oh, they'll, for some reason, they put in $1.4 million in the thing. The actual fine can't exceed $1,000 in addition to state-mandated costs. But still, if true, again, we don't know. Who knows whether Connor really was going 90 in a 55 zone? I do know people who have done that. But say, just say, for the sake of argument, Connor in Georgia was going 90 in a 55 zone. So say they throw the book at him and the actual fine actually is $1,000 plus state-mandated cost. It's still nothing compared to I know, you're, wait for it, Janine. <laughs> Janine from Westchester, who got pulled over. And maybe you remember this. So she got pulled over six years ago. And a New York State trooper said she was clocked going 119 in a 65 zone around Jeff Garal's place out in Nichols. Because she had to go to Elmira. She was in some sort of hurry to get to Chemung County. So Janine from Westchester is clocked by a state trooper at 119 in a 65 mile an hour zone. And bad enough to do it anyway, but on a Sunday afternoon when there are people coming home from church. Well, ultimately, as you may know, Janine from Westchester pleaded guilty to driving 95 so she wouldn't admit going 119, which is what the state trooper clocked her at. And by the way, the state police use sophisticated equipment that is calibrated. So probably, probably the 119 figure was accurate. In a plea deal, remember how much some people hate plea deals? I hear this all the time. Bob, I hate plea deals. Hey, Janine from Westchester as part of her plea deal for going too fast through Tioga County on a Sunday afternoon to get to Elmira a couple of minutes sooner. She'll keep her license in the plea deal with the Tioga County District Attorney's Office, but she had to pay $393 in fines and fees and had to take a defensive driving course. It says she paid the $300 fine and surcharge. So she was hit with less than $400 in fines after she was pulled over for going, they said, and I believe the state trooper in this case, you must believe the state trooper, first of all, state trooper who had the audacity to write a ticket for Janine from Westchester, you gotta admit, there's a special trooper and I think she should have gotten accolades. She should have received an award from Governor Cuomo. I don't know, maybe she did, but Anyway, we never found out the trooper's name. Uh, Puro said she was driving to visit her hometown of Elmira. She said that she had been driving several hours and, of course, did not realize how fast she was going. Well, she's driving a Cadillac Escalade. So if you drive, I suppose, if you're driving a Cadillac Escalade at 119 through Tioga County, it definitely doesn't feel like 119. It probably does feel like about 65 miles an hour. Still, all of the Cadillac Escalades I've seen have speedometers that 
clearly indicate how fast you're going. So the, <laughs> the claim that I didn't know how fast I was going, that's, uh, that's kind of a hollow claim. I bet that's something state troopers hear almost every day. Let's go back to the phones at 1043. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name and where are you calling from? Hi, this is Val from Binghamton. Yes, good morning, Val from Binghamton. What's on your mind? Good morning. So I noticed in the video that you had for the shots fired on Main Street, about 20 20 seconds into the video, in the background is that famous tree on the west side, the Polonia tomatosa tree. Anyone that lives on the west side knows that tree. And whoever owns that property, they cut it down every fall, which they'll probably be doing soon. And then it grows, you know, 60 feet tall in one summer. And if you go into that, you can see that it's a bush tree with a huge, huge leaves. And I don't know, I've never seen I've never seen one anywhere else. But oh, wait, hold on. Side. I'm just wa- reviewing the video. Is that the one right between the two houses? Yeah. Wait, hold on. I'm racking this back. Because there's one, there's some, did you notice there are a lot of police, That I think that's what they say on TV was a heavy police presence. I think, I think that was an accurate description. Let me just. The one thing that I liked about the house is at least they're patriotic. Did you see they have a big. Um, flag in the window. And and by the way, yeah, I've noticed actually over the last, oh, six to 12 months, a lot of the, a lot of the places when I go out covering news where things have happened, uh, I think there was a house over in the first ward that was going to be locked down. I, they had lots of flags. I, I appreciate the new patriotism that we see here in Binghamton. Right. But I mean, when Dave called in this morning, he was talking about trees. And every time I go down Main Street, I look at that and it's remarkable. And anybody that lives on the west side or frequents the west side for sure knows that. Yeah, I like that. I'm glad you pointed that out. Thank you. It's enormous. It's unbelievable that it grows that much in one season because they (laughs) cut it right to the ground every fall. Really? And what kind of tree is it? Polonia tomatosa, or like a princess tree. Hmm. Uh, it's yeah. I've I've never seen any anyone anywhere else around. Hmm. Well, I was but, just back over there this morning on my way in. I thought I would uh, stop by around eight fifty this morning to see if they needed any any help, and I just stopped by for a, a moment and looked like. They didn't need my help then, but I, I might go back a little bit later this afternoon to see if I can provide any assistance either to the residents or to the investigators. Yeah. You think that's a good idea for me to go over there this afternoon and talk to some of the residents to get more on, on the story to find out what actually happened yesterday? You think that's a smart move on my part? Did you get your Kevlar vest yet? <laughs> it's on back order. Okay, yeah, you have to have the certain color. <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah, I'm very, very particular with my Kevlar. Yeah. You know, I'd, but anyhow, check okay. that tree out. I will. Uh, yeah. When I'm over there this afternoon asking a few more questions, I'll uh, 
I'll take a look at the tree. I, actually, after I'm done asking about what happened around 2.50 Monday afternoon, then I'll say, by the way, and then I'll point and just kind of turn over gently looking toward, toward the tree and say, did you ever notice that tree? What do you think of that? Yeah. So, it's anyway. remarkable. Yeah. It really isn't. You know, to be, I've grown, I grew up on the west side, so I've noticed it many times, but I never had the chance to talk about it before. And then when I saw it in your video, there it was. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually a pretty good video. I had a few other videos too, but a couple of them so far haven't been vetted for publication. There might be, <laughs> keep an eye on WNBF.com over the next couple of days. There might be a couple of other videos that, that haven't uh, been cleared for public release. Oh, you, you can count on me. Okay, thanks. It's 1048 at WNBF. We're here to serve. And again, I must stress, if I show up in your neighborhood, all I'm doing is asking a few questions. You don't need to worry about me because you know me. I'm one of the good guys. That's why I work at WNBF, home of the good guys. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media station. Bob Johnson. I think of all the worries people seem to find, and how they're in a hurry to complicate their minds by chasing after money. And dreams that can't come true I'm glad that we are different We've better things to do May others plan their future I'm busy loving you for today WNBF live for today at 1052 looking at the uh, New York Times a cursory glance at the New York Times leads me to believe they've now eliminated their so-called late edition I don't know that they did but maybe maybe somebody who works for the New York Times can explain of course for all I know they're you know, shut down the New York Times printing plant and then have the thing printed in Massachusetts. <clears throat> That's all the rage with the newspapers. Eh, can't afford to run a printing press anymore. Let's, let's send all of our printing to Mawa, New Jersey. Sometimes you, during the program, sometimes you learn some uh, interesting news, and we'll probably be able to report that out to you shortly. So thank you to one of our, I'll call one of our contributors. Thank you for keeping us in the loop. We do, by the way, rely on, on contributors, tipsters, um, and if you want to remain anonymous as people frequently do, uh, feel free. Just 
and send me an email. If you know something about anything, just let me know. Bob at WNBF.com. And, uh, you know, when it comes to news, that's how we find out. I, I know a few things going on, but without the assistance of, of people around the community, we wouldn't be able to do a whole lot of reporting. So thank you to everyone who keeps us keeps us apprised. So I was just uh, looking at the front page of the Times, as I say. It certainly looks to me like they, for whatever reason, I don't know for sure because, like most newspapers, uh, <laughs> when they make changes, they don't want to talk about it. But New York Times, you almost would think that they have dropped their so-called late edition. They must have changed their printing cycle for some reason. So... Of course, lots of uh, stories about the war in the Middle East. Hmm. But here's a story that I had not noticed before, also on the front page, tucked in the lower right corner. A team of scientists is proposing a new explanation for some cases of long COVID based on their findings that serotonin levels were lower in people with the complex condition. In their study, researchers at the University of Pennsylvania suggest that serotonin reduction is triggered by the remnants of the virus, that's the COVID virus, lingering in the gut. Depleted serotonin could especially explain memory problems and some neurological and cognitive symptoms of long COVID, according to these researchers. Hmm. Well, this is this is intriguing to me. Um, according to the Times, this is one of several new studies documenting distinct biological changes in the bodies of people with long COVID, offering important discoveries for a condition that takes many forms and often does not register on standard diagnostic tools. The research could point the way toward possible treatments, including medications that boost serotonin. The authors said the biological pathway that their research outlines could unite many of the major theories of what causing uh, what causes long COVID, lingering remnants of the virus, inflammation, increased blood clotting, and dysfunction of the autonomic nervous system. Hmm. Well that that is quite interesting hmm 1057 at news radio WNBF oh I know we have avoided politics today for some reason so for that I I apologize because I know people love politics on this program especially stuff that goes on in Washington so coming up possibly, in about an hour, the House could be voting to make Jim Jordan its next speaker. Jim Jordan, beloved by many and uh, disliked by some. He's described by the Washington Post as a conservative firebrand who's allied with former president uh, who now lives in Florida. He was chosen by Republicans on Friday to lead the House. He must win a majority in the full chamber to take the gavel. So anybody who thought that at Binghamton University graduate 
Hakeem Jeffries, who had somehow become Speaker of the House this month. I, I guess you'll probably be disappointed. Jordan is the chairman of the Judiciary Committee. He has mounted an aggressive pressure campaign to gain the support of more than 50 Republican holdouts skeptical of his ability to lead. He can only afford to lose four votes on the floor. Now, this brings to mind, I, in fact, I heard Mark Molinaro say this morning he was going to vote for Jim Jordan. So, in fact, this is what he tweeted out yesterday. We have been without a speaker for nearly two weeks, putting on hold priorities like fighting inflation and securing the border. At the same time, we have witnessed savage attacks against our ally Israel, which threatens to destabilize the region. We have to get back to governing. And this is from Congressman Mark Molinaro who represents the 19th district here in New York State. His statement says, Do Jim Jordan and I agree on everything? Of course not. I don't agree with anyone 100% of the time, but he has assured me that my voice and the concerns of those I serve in upstate New York will be heard. I will vote for Jim Jordan. So Congressman Jordan can count on Congressman Molinaro to support him in this afternoon's vote. But again, this could be close because some Republicans, it's well known that more than a few Republicans don't really agree on Jim Jordan or with Jim Jordan on a lot of things. But it may be one of those cases where they swallow hard and vote for someone they're not particularly enamored of to get the House moving again. It's 11 o'clock at where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Cloudy today, slight chance of showers, high near 58. Mostly cloudy tonight, with the lower on 46. Partly sunny on Wednesday, high near 59. Two Endicott men have been charged with tax fraud after a search warrant uncovered untaxed cigarettes and unauthorized cannabis products in the town of Union. On October 13th, the Broome County Special Investigations Unit Task Force, following an investigation into the sale of untaxed tobacco cigarettes, executed a search warrant at Smoker's Choice on East Main Street in the town of Union. During the search, approximately 73 cartons of untaxed tobacco cigarettes, several pounds of various packaged items containing cannabis candies and gummies, and $1,560 in U.S. currency were recovered. As a result of the search warrant, two persons were issued appearance tickets. The case has been referred to the Office of Cannabis Management regarding the unauthorized sale of cannabis products in the state of New York. A report of shots fired on Binghamton's west side prompted a lockdown of nearby schools as police were sent to the area of Main and Cedar Streets on the west side around 2.50 on Monday. Callers reporting hearing the sound of gunfire near the Bundy Museum of History and Art. Young people were observed running from the area after the shots rang out. Police officers focused their attention on a three-story apartment building at 132 Main Street. Patrol units shut down Main Street between Crandall and Cedar as they secured the scene. 
Some shell casings were said to have been found on the porch of the six-unit apartment house. Patrol officers and detectives interviewed people who were in and around the building at the time of the shooting. Nearby residents reported hearing three shots in rapid succession. There were reports that a person who may have been wounded in the incident was seen running away from the scene. Binghamton police directed Westside schools to move to their lockout protocol after the shooting as a precaution. The procedure came as many students already had been dismissed for the day. The governor of New York says she will travel to Israel uh, today for the solidarity mission with the nation. Governor Kathy Hochul said in a written statement issued yesterday that she plans to meet with diplomatic leaders and communities devastated after the unprecedented, unprecedented surprise attack by Hamas militants on Israeli towns on October 7th. Her announcement comes as President Joe Biden plans to travel to Israel and on to Jordan on Wednesday to meet with both Israeli and Arab leadership. leadership. Hochul says it's more important than ever for New York to show up in support of Israel. New York City Mayor Eric Adams has announced he is limiting shelter stays for migrant families with children to 60 days in the city's housing system. Monday's move to tighten the rules comes as the Democratic mayor seeks to ease the pressure of city system overwhelmed by the arrival of more than 120,000 international asylum seekers in this past year. Authorities said they will begin sending 60-day notices to migrant families with children in shelters, though they could reapply for housing if they're unable to find a new place to live. The mayor's office says more than 60,000 migrants currently live in the city shelters, many of them without the legal ability to work. Former President Donald Trump is returning to the Manhattan civil fraud trial that threatens to upend his real estate empire, but he won't be seeing his former lawyer-turned-foe Michael Cohen on the witness stand, at least not yet. Cohen citing a health problem has postponed his testimony as a key witness in New York Attorney General James' case at least until next week. Cohen said on X, formerly known as Twitter, that he isn't dodging Trump. On Monday, he said he expects his estranged ex-boss to be in the courtroom when he does testify. Instead of Cohen, Trump's courtroom visit today is likely to overlap with the resumption of testimony from his company's assistant controller, Donna Kidder. And a wall outside a popular downtown Binghamton restaurant has received the colorful new look thanks to the works of a couple of artists. Margot Datz and Tom Haynes recently completed work on a mural on a wall on the side of the building that is home to Chris's Diner on State Street. Datz said she and Haynes had submitted a mural idea to the I-District's public arts program to create something that celebrated the presence of the Greek community within Binghamton. That said, she and Haynes presented the mural concept to the owners of Chris's Diner, and they liked the idea. The partners spent more than two weeks transforming the plain white wall into something special. The owners of the diner have expressed their appreciation for the mural. In a social media post, they wrote that they were so grateful for these talented artists. A celebration of the completed mural is planned as part of next First Friday events. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF.
Tuesday morning, live from WNBF, Binghamton, New York. This is Bob Joseph. You're listening to Binghamton Now. Who's next? Who knows? <laughs> Somebody who has a couple of free minutes calling 607-772-1290. Will you be the one who gets through, who has a chance to speak on WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com? Now, here's something, and I didn't mention it earlier, but it's been on my mind, and I thought maybe somebody would bring it up, but nobody has, so I'll bring it up. So, Kathy Hochul is the governor of New York, and mighty... Mighty good governor, according to uh, her supporters. And same with um, Joe Biden. He's president of the United States and a mighty good president, according to many of his supporters. So what we see now is these two high-profile elected officials in the U.S. are planning to travel to Israel. And I understand why. Because they want to show the support to Israel, given what's happened over the last week or week and a half. And maybe what I'll say isn't popular, but I'll say, uh, in just my personal opinion, I, I worry about, about trips like this. In fact, I worry just about uh, elected officials who travel a lot, even under normal circumstances. A lot of times... They are traveling, in the case of the governor, around the state or the president around the nation. And, and sometimes I think, wouldn't it be better, for the most part, if they just stay in one place and not travel around? But I also understand, from a political standpoint, um, especially if you're concerned about winning re-election, you, you got to travel to places. That's probably what your political advisors would tell you. So I get that uh, some people get advice that they should travel around to show support after a disaster. We see that in New York State. If there is uh, a bad snowstorm or flooding or some other really devastating event, of course, the governor will hop aboard a state police helicopter and be there to show support for those who are going through difficult times. And same with the president. After uh, a catastrophe or natural disaster. But when it comes to traveling into a war zone, Traveling into a war zone, I, if I were advising elected officials, I would advise them to certainly communicate your support for those who are going through a lot during 
hostilities, show your support. But I think I would recommend, say, if somebody from the governor's office or the president's office called me and said, you know, Bob, we're planning on a trip into a war zone. So what do you think? Good idea? And I would say, no, actually, given the high level of risk to the elected official and to others, I would say, hold off on that for now. So, well, anyway, we'll, we'll see um, Governor Hochul, according to a statement released from her office, she says she'll travel to Israel for a solidarity, solidarity mission, and she'll meet with diplomatic leaders and communities who've been devastated by the horrific Hamas attacks. New York will show the world that we stand with Israel today, tomorrow, and forever. The governor's office said she will have a closed-door meeting with the White House Chief of Staff, Jeff Zients. Science? I don't even know who the Chief of Staff is. That's how out of the loop I am. So she'll meet with the White House Chief of Staff before she departs for Israel, and she's scheduled to return to the United States on Friday. President Biden is planning to travel to Israel Wednesday. I don't understand, by the way, given the security issues, I personally don't understand why either the President of the United States or the Governor of New York would announce their trip to Israel in advance. I'm not sure how that makes anything easier in terms of providing security for these elected officials. But they've announced it, so we'll provide uh, appropriate coverage uh, going forward in the next couple of days here at News Radio WNBF. It's 1116. Hi, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Yeah, my name is Patrick, and I'm calling from the town of Union. And uh, I'd like to know what you think and what you have to say about this DA race. Now, I've heard um, apparently the students at the college want to have a televised debate. And now Mr. Battisti doesn't want television. He doesn't seem to want to debate on your show. What's he afraid of, Bob? Oh, I don't know. I mean, it, I'm not sure he's afraid of anything. He may have just made a a strategic campaign decision not to do debates. I don't know. Yeah, well, isn't, you know, that, that's sort of what the election process is all about. You know, you come out, you, you know, you get in front of the public, you, you, uh, you know, you do debates, you do things to show your ability and uh he, he he doesn't seem why is he uh, what's he have to say to you about being talking to matt on your show well he he knows he's heard the invitation more than once he uh yeah he said on the air and and also to me off the air that he didn't intend to have a discussion with matthew ryan live on this program. The invitation, by the way, is still there. Just because it was not immediately accepted doesn't mean the invitation has been has been pulled. I I hereby yeah. I hereby renew the invitation to both candidates to show up here in the studio and talk with me 
for about well, it, it would work work out to probably about 45 minutes but one thing that occurs to me that people may be reluctant to do on this program is to engage in a conversation that's different from a a formal debate because i i don't do formal debate type programs so I'll, I'll leave that for um, other media outlets or the League of Women Voters. One of the things, when I do it, you're dealing with only me. When anybody else well, puts on, when, when, when anybody else puts on a debate, it could be a sponsoring organization. Uh, could be, say, if you do something with public media or a local TV station or the newspaper, I guarantee it's it's a lot more than just one person. So at least yeah. on this program, what, for better or worse, if you agree to come on this program to talk about the issues, you're not dealing with any intermediaries. We don't have any uh, other people in the studio. It's It'll be me and the candidates. Or if it's a one-on-one -on -one interview, it's me and the candidate. You don't have. He seems you know, to be afraid of both. He seems, well, I don't. He seems I don't know be, that he's afraid. Seems to be doesn't want to come on your show. Doesn't want a TV debate. You know, and the other his his the legal system, which he is very much a part of, is very old fashioned. You know, Mr. Ryan is aware that the whole country is changing to try to prevent crime and to try to. Uh, prevent violence before it happens, and 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 you know he he doesn't seem to be in tune to that at all. And uh, um, you know, what do you think about that? Well, you know, up to, it, to the listeners, about, I I mean, what do you think about it? Well, doesn't doesn't matter what I think. I'm just I'm just a guy with a a microphone, or in this case, the good thing about this studio. And people may not realize this. We have four microphones. We have one for me and three for other guests. So say if there was a three-way race for county executive this year, we would be able to have all three candidates. But, you know, it's basically three guest microphones. So we could bring in three guests for any, any race or any topic if I wanted to. Yeah, he's he's talking. You know, he's talking to old Republican talk about raising. You know, not raising taxes. You know, all the same old stuff. And uh, um, and yet, um, if he manages to attain the office and become the DA, it's my understanding it's going to cost the taxpayers over a million dollars. Well, I don't know. I don't know. We'll uh, we'll see what other listeners have to say. The election is coming up on November 7th, and early voting actually will get underway. I believe it's in about a week and a half. I think the early voting will get underway on October 28th. So we are getting close. So if people are interested in local races, now is a good time to... Do your research so you know who to vote for. 607-772-1290. I'm Bob Joseph Live. Our program is Binghamton Now, but as you've probably discovered, we talk a lot more than just Binghamton.
Call in 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Reserve your new Toyota at Galt Toyota. WNBF Live. Let's go to Tioga County for the first time this morning. Jesse and Awego, you're on. Yeah, I, I know you're pretty busy, Bob. You can't get the, all your emails, but I brought it up either in the first or second hour about our governor deciding to go over to Israel. I'm like, I can't imagine at who expense that's going to be. What is she going to do? Is she going to go over there with $810 million and build him a brand new football stadium? Makes me wonder because unless she thinks she can go, you know, go over there and perform a miracle because I'm watching New York State falling apart. They can't take care of the homeless, the illegals, the boy. Now she wants to go over and support another country well, and probably another country. Well, good. I mean, if, if she wants to support other countries, good for her. Uh, one thing, and I hadn't even really thought about it till just now, logistically, how, how exactly is she getting from Albany to Israel? Because I thought, I thought all commercial flights or at least most. I don't know if all commercial flights from the United States to Israel have been canceled, but I, I'd like to know exactly how she's getting from New York State to Israel. Well, if you're holier than thou, you'd be surprised what kind of miracle... No, I'm serious, but it's a serious question. Have you seen? Have they said how she's getting there? Yeah, probably not. I don't... Well, she's a governor. She's not like, you know... Well, look, New York State... New York State's air fleet consists of... I think maybe a few airplanes and a few helicopters. I don't... I don't believe New York State has... New York State government, I don't believe, has has a plane that can fly Kathy Hochul from Albany to Israel. And certainly our helicopters aren't going to go that far. So the question still is... How is she getting from New York to Israel? And and maybe if anybody knows, because I I haven't looked into it, but maybe it's been maybe it's been reported. It seems to I me can... seems to me now I understand generally how Joe Biden can get from the White House to Israel because he has access, we'll just say he has access to a multitude of very expensive US government aircraft. So I don't I don't think I need to know 
about how Joe Biden will get from the capital, the nation's capital, to Israel tomorrow. They certainly aren't going to release it ahead of time. Here's another thing, Jesse, though, from a security standpoint. What's, uh, what do you think they're getting accomplished by announcing these trips in advance? I, I thought the usual rule of thumb would be if you're going to go into a war zone, especially if you are a person who already requires higher than normal security, that you wouldn't announce that in, in advance. I mean, the governor, for example, she doesn't announce her schedule. Say if she's coming to Johnson City tomorrow, she doesn't announce it the day before. They announce her schedule very, maybe just uh, a few, a couple hours or a few hours. They don't want people to know where she's going to show up in New York State. So, and now obviously if the president's going to make a trip in the United States, some information has to be released because you can't, you know, say when Ronald Reagan, I recall Ronald Reagan one time showed up in Endicott in 1984. Well, they had to make an announcement ahead of time because if you have all these Secret Service people in town a few days ahead of the scheduled presidential visit, people are going to wonder why the Secret Service is snooping around asking questions. So obviously that makes sense. To me, it doesn't make sense to announce a presidential trip or a trip by a governor to the war zone ahead of time. Seems to me that's a really bad choice. Well, I, I, I can say one thing and I can look ahead. Think about what are her intentions in the future. She'll probably end up writing a book, What I Did for Israel. Oh, you know what I what I hope what I hope is she'll write a book with uh, Andrew Cuomo. He's a noted author. Very true. Now, and, and I think one of his last books, I think it sold. Um, do you want to, a dozen you copies? How, do you want to know how she's going to get there? I can tell you all too easy. Our military in New York State, they need flight hours. They need training. They do it all the time, and they got to keep up so many hours so that they can keep their you know, credentials to be a pilot. So that's how she's going to get there. So it's really not that hard, logistically speaking. Well, okay. All right, that answers that question. It's 1130 at WNBF, and yet I'm still mystified. There's so many... So many lingering questions about these visits, but I'm sure in the fullness of time, I'm sure all these questions will be sufficiently addressed. 607-772-1290. I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF. Everybody look. Don't 
look too closely. 11.35 at WNBF, and certainly don't ask a few questions. Sandy in Port Dickinson, you're on the air. Oh, okay. Thanks, Bob. Oh, I want you to ask a few questions. I want you to ask a lot of questions. But anyway, um, I, I agree with you about this flight over to Israel and Kathy Hochul. Uh, it, it's like at taxpayer expense, I'm sure. I'd like to see the itinerary on it. I'd like to see the money part of it that's costing taxpayers. Uh, we can certainly support Israel from right here in our own New York. And I'm sure a lot of people are because they're having, you know, they're having uh, fundraising for the people there for food and clothing and everything. But I, I have to wonder, like you, how is she getting over there when all the flights are, are not going in there, they're canceled, and people are having a trouble getting home that, that are living there? So um, that's my one question. And my other question to you is, or to the people here, uh, it's like when Mayor Adams went to South America, you know, the taxpayers foot the bill for that. And he went there so that he could tell the uh, governments there that not to send their uh, illegals to here, especially New York City. Um, and we never heard anything more about that. So he, they made a big boohoo about that going there. And uh, once he come back, it was all quiet on the Western Front. And um, I want to know. What good did that trip do? Probably nothing. And how much taxpayer money? And how did he get there? And uh, what what really happened? Did he make any headway? To me, he should have gone right to Washington and talked to our beloved president. Yeah, well, he, he might not have had much success, but that would have been, I think, the top priority. I think... I think Mayor Adams and Governor Hochul ought to be uh, over at the White House pounding on the door if they won't let him in. I mean, figuratively. <laughs> I'm, I'm not uh, saying right. literally. But but basically, working and cajoling the Biden administration, Senator Schumer, Senator Gillibrand, uh, mm -hmm. New York's congressional delegation, delegation, New York's congressional delegation, and and working with Democrats, Republicans, and anyone else to get the, and I won't be like a politician and call them challenges to get the problems that we're facing now, and they're big problems, and it's affecting not just New York City, it's affecting all of New York State and yeah. really ultimately all of the country. Let's yeah. get something done. Let's work together. I'm not saying anything that ultimately is agreed to is going to make everyone happy. In fact, it might make everyone a little unhappy to a, a degree. That's called compromise and, and work to get a compromise that at least starts to address these problems so they don't keep getting worse. Yes, I agree with that. And... Um Speaking of Kathy Hochul's itinerary, she just put it out to the news yesterday. So here today, gone tomorrow. Is her but what, what about my point? She won't put out her itinerary when she's in New York State. Say if she plans to show up 
in Binghamton or Endicott or Johnson City, she'll put that out maybe at 7 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And, and it's very limited. It's not, it's not uh, to be distributed to the general public because she's afraid of New Yorkers. She, in my opinion, that, that's my opinion, and I, that's been my opinion of the last few governors. Um, Cuomo. They, they want questions answered if she has to face them. Yeah. yeah. You know, I remember there was a time, and I'm old enough to remember this, when Mario Cuomo... And he wasn't necessarily popular among everybody, say, in Binghamton. Some right. people liked him a lot, but some people disliked him a lot. But right. he, didn't, he didn't keep his movements a secret. I mean, one of the most interesting situations that I ever encountered as a young reporter was Mario Cuomo, the governor, on Court Street, at 100 Court Street in front of the Security Mutual building, and this was when a lot of union members were not happy with the governor because uh, they were having contract problems or maybe the state was having budget problems and there were rumors of layoffs or at least they weren't going to get as much money as they wanted. So some members of employee unions, I think, showed up. So he had a pretty good crowd out on the sidewalk before the governor went in to make a, a speech on the second floor at the Security Mutual building. And instead of slinking in the back way, like modern New York governors, slinking in the back way so you're not, well, I could have said slithering, but slithering has a more negative connotation. Yeah, but, but, but I like it. Yeah. Um, and I don't, look, you know, I, I've, ac- I've actually liked all our governors. I, I wish, actually wish they were more willing in the past to have uh, participated in the program. Anyway, so Mario Cuomo, Gets out of the car. You know, they didn't have, um, I don't think, state police SUVs, black SUVs at the time, but whatever was being driven by a security detail. Gets out of the car, wades into the crowd. He didn't have the burly, you know, six feet, eight inch tall, 300 pound state police uh, security people uh, keep members of the crowd away. Instead, he engaged people in the crowd, including, of all people, Randall Terry, who was still very active in Binghamton. And they didn't didn't have a long exchange, but it was, I I think it may have gone for a minute or two about a, a very controversial issue. And Randall Terry had a chance to say what he thought about the controversial issue directly to Governor Mario Cuomo. And Mario Cuomo got to directly respond to Randall Terry. And I thought that's the way government ought to be. Not, not that anything was solved. Randall Terry didn't think anything probably better about Governor Cuomo, although he might have been impressed that at least he didn't go in the back way to avoid him. And he could have, but he didn't. And that's, and, and again, this is, I know we got off on a tangent just talking about <laughs> about governors and how secretive they are in scheduling. I mean, sometimes, let's face it, say if a, a governor is going to make a big economic development announcement around here, especially a lot of times it happens this time of year in the uh, three to four weeks before election day. Now, she's not up for election 
this year, so right. she probably is not going to show up in in Broomer Tioga counties this year unless she wants to announce they're going to finally repave Route 17 in Tioga County. <laughs> ha! Um, but but they they keep the they keep the uh, itinerary secret, even though it becomes generally known to those who will be the invited guests. Sometimes. Uh, a few days or even a week or two because they want to they want to get people to block it out on their schedule but what they really don't like is when some of the invited guests talk to reporters so it's like because you know me I'm I'm not going to be invited to any of Kathy Hochul's events but sometimes when I find out and I show up it's like oh, well you're not on the list it's like well, maybe not, but I'm a reporter, and I've been reporting here longer than you've been alive. So they'd be like, <laughs> "Right, yeah." And then you know, basically, they say, "Oh, okay, come in." I guess they're they're like yeah. so sad, so sad oh, to wow. let a reporter in who who might actually have the audacity to ask the governor a question she doesn't like. Not a and by the way, not a mean question. Not no. something, you know, not not any personal scandalous question just uh policy questions hey I, I don't do gotcha questions i just do questions that are relevant to the people of the binghamton area yes and that's a good thing mm. yeah so well i i just uh i like you i'm wondering uh, you know i have a few questions too and you do too so maybe they'll get answered and maybe they won't well some will get answered yeah, and okay. and again i i wish i didn't feel so skeptical about trips like this but right. i am and i also well, in addition though to the skepticism i'll just be 100 percent clear about this i'm just worried for the safety of everybody involved for the elected officials for the people who are are flying them into harm's way you can't say going to israel is not flying into harm's way if you go exactly. any, anywhere near yeah. that that conflict zone, you're going into harm's way. And in my opinion, these are unnecessary trips at this point right. in time because yes, there are I a lot agree. of there are a lot yeah. of people in in this world and a lot of people in that region who may not be thinking straight. And I, I'm just saying, if if I were them, I would I would make different plans and and arrange their meetings via satellite it would yes it would cost right. less but the sound quality would be as good or better right and we'd have it all on tape yes <laughs> thank you sandy <laughs> yeah thanks bob Eleven forty-five at wnbf i know you're tired of a few questions some people are and yet some people aren't stay tuned we have time to get a few more callers on Coming up on this Tuesday morning, WNBF. Eleven forty-eight, WNBF. Lena in Endicott, you're on the air. Hi, I just wanted to remind the people of the village of Endicott about our town hall meeting tonight. It's from six to eight. Um, at the uh, village hall and the visitor center on Lincoln Avenue, and bring your questions. The candidates will be there. The mayor will be there. The candidate for mayor, Larry Coppola, and the two trustees, uh, Shannon uh, Sharp and Kevin Kreiner, will be there to answer your questions. Also, 
they want they would like to hear from you uh, your goals and vision that you would like to see for the village of Indicap because it's working together that we will get things done in the village. So I hope to see a lot of people there. Uh, bring your questions, and we'll have the, the the pizza, and you bring the questions. Thank you so much, Bob, for having me on. I appreciate it. All right, Lena. And we did uh, receive an email from Shannon Sharp a little bit ago, and she's not able to call in, but she did write, and she wanted me to, in fact, read this on the air about that town hall meeting. That's uh, Endicott trustee, independent candidates Kevin Kreiner and Shannon Sharp, along with the Democratic Working Families candidate for Mayor Larry Coppola, will be holding a town hall tonight at the Endicott Visitor Center from 6 to 8 says you can bring your questions, concerns, and ideas, and it says they will bring the pizza. So thank you, Shannon Sharp. From Endicott we go, Tiger Territory, to Golden Bears Territory, Vestal, across the river. Andy. Hey. Hey, Bob. Hey, um, uh, I know how you like to play uh, various uh, various things on the radio like you did yesterday for for me yesterday on the, on the um, Sparks Fly is so maybe tomorrow's show you might want to play something from um, uh, All the King's Men 1949. You pick out the excerpt you like and you can see what I'm uh, you, can, you can go from there. But I think it's a, it's a great theme for the election time. Alright, I'll uh, take that under advisement. It'll be either that or Eraserhead. Alright. All did, right. did you ever see the Eraserhead? No, I'm afraid not. No, I never did. Yeah, look it up sometime. You'll be glad you did. All right, guys. Hey, thank you very much. All right. Thank you. It's 11.51. Oh, my goodness. We do have our fun. Hi, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Bob. This is Vinny from Binghamton. Oh, I was wondering. Are you okay? Because we hadn't heard from you earlier on the program. I was getting a little concerned. Well, I, I had some things to do, but I, I had to tell you this. This is, this, this is our media. It is so funny. I, this is our yesterday's paper. I'm turning the paper on page two. This is a poll. Probe raises concerns over Biden. It says deep political divide on investigation into the sun. And it talks about, oh, you know, we're real worried ethic. Then you turn two pa- a couple pages over to page eight. Biden raises $71 million for the 2024 race. Third quarter hall shows donors remain united behind the president. So <laughs> these polls are so bad. You know, and oh, I don't know. No, this guy is hauling money. He's raised more money than Trump and all the rest of the field combined. He's raising money. And the media is trying their dangest to say, oh, is this the guy we need to have? Is you know this this man the money's coming in he's raised records that's just the third quarter so just just these polls don't even pay any attention just go out to vote don't pay any attention to polls just go out and vote I just wanted to say that well it's, I've it's, said it's so typical uh, notice how much time on this program I spend talking about polls. Between zero, oh, yeah. zero and thirty seconds, I, I don't yeah. know, and I've I've brought this up frequently about how whether and and please excuse me for mentioning names whether it is Hannity or in the past Limbaugh or some some of the other luminaries the the big yeah. highly paid 
highly respected talk show hosts. And I've, over the decades, been stunned. Even Rush did this, in my opinion, too often. I, I, I thought um, Mr. Limbaugh and Mr. Hannity and some of the uh, lesser-known syndicated talk show hosts, they spent way, way too much time on their programs talking about polls. And, and Hannity would consistently do it, even though year after year, or maybe not every year, but every other year, the polls would turn out to be so wrong. And then so after Election Day, or sometimes maybe a while later until all the results were known, then he'd be in this position Oh, yeah, all the polls were wrong. Oh, yeah, egg on their faces. And, and, and even, I think, Rush Limbaugh sometimes would be, yeah, can you believe how wrong the pollsters were? We thought whoever was going to win, and it turned out to be totally the opposite. And that's been my point of not, not giving airtime. And I hear it on some of the all-news stations. You know, the, the um, I was trying to come up with a funny name. The blooptastic poll, you know, whatever, you know, because I, I don't want to criticize pollsters specifically, but we know who they are. And they show up, whether it's on radio or TV, on newscast or programs. Well, 37% of New Yorkers believe the governor is doing a bad job. Uh, 64% believe the governor is doing a satisfactory job. Um, then they take a few random issues about say, in the past, uh, legalizing adult-use marijuana. 57% of New Yorkers in upstate counties are in favor, while 73% in downstate counties, although in the Bronx, it's like, who, who really cares? What does it all mean? And I'm thinking there are so many other things that news people or talk show hosts could be fo focusing on instead of public opinion polls. Now, I'm not suggesting the people who do public opinion polls should stop doing them, keep doing them, and publish them on their website. I'm suggesting that we in the media spend a lot less time focusing on what these poll results are because we've seen so often how they have actually turned out to be, what's the word, wrong. There, I right. said it. And, and again, I understand the difficulty of assessing public opinion. It was always tough. And now in this era of cell phones and unlisted numbers and people not wanting to speak with uh, folks they don't know, uh, taking, taking the temperature of the electorate is, is more difficult than ever. So I'm not saying they should stop. Hey, poll all you want. The media, I think, should do less time focusing on polling results and more time on reporting about the issues that are important to the voters. Thank you for your call. And that's all the time we have for today. I think we comported ourselves fairly well, and we will be back tomorrow morning to do it again. I'm Bob Joseph. Thank you for your time. Hope you have a great afternoon. You're listening to News Radio WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media.